Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne. Ahoy and welcome to episode 49 of Thrive Deeper. It's your humble host DJ Payne here and on this week's episode I'm very excited. Not only have we got a brand new edition of the Thrive Daily Reading Guide to go through, we've got a brand new book. We are in the Gospel of Matthew. So in this conversation with uh, Matthew Jacoby and myself, we, uh, we sit down, we go through a bit of an overview about what is the gospel. What is the gospels? Why do we have a difference there? And then we really start breaking down uh, the book of Matthew. What makes it unique as we start entering it here in this whole pe- new period of study? So I'm so excited to uh, to get into this New Testament to have a look at the opening books about uh, who Jesus is all about. So join us after the break as we get started into this, the Gospel of Matthew. Are just weeks away from an election here in Australia. Oh, we have to start by talking about that. <laughs> no, we're not going to talk about that. But I just um, I want to let everybody know that we're not going to talk about. Oh, politics. okay, right. Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh, good. That's my roundabout way of saying I, I, I'm getting a bit weary. You know, whatever my- you see. Whatever your question is with that, the answer is I don't know. So yeah. that could be a boring conversation. No, 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 no. I'm not, we don't want to come out and start talking politics here. But my point being that, uh, is, does it just mean do you get weary about the mm-hmm. news cycle around politics mm-hmm. in Australia around yeah. the election and everything? It brings out the worst weary in people. and wary. Yeah. yeah. It brings out the worst in people. And, and, and my job here on the radio is just such fraught with uh, landmines of of any of any description. So yeah, well, you know, one thing, one thing I I think we can say wherever you are uh, in on the spectrum of political spectrum, is that a I mean a political answer isn't really a final isn't an ultimate answer no. to our our issues. Jesus is the answer yeah. uh, because that deals with I mean every political system is undermined by human nature. And only Jesus deals with human nature. So, yeah. uh, so it's a good... Uh, so, yeah, I think we should engage, um, but uh, we should also remember that it's not the ultimate. Yeah. It's not the ultimate answer. So I think I think Christians can get carried away into engaging as though this is the... This is the hill that we've got to die on, mm, mm. and whichever no, way, whichever way, yeah, you yeah, whichever way you go, uh, and and no, no, it's actually this is a political solution to society is just a band aid over the mm. over the problem. The real solution needs to start from the inside out of every individual person's lives being life being transformed Love uh, it. by Christ through the Holy Spirit. So, can, we, can we just end the podcast there? Yeah, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So that, that, that was good. This podcast on politics has gone well, DJ. <laughs> do not send us any questions about politics. We do not want to know. Yeah. You know, but you know what I have been appreciating? The, the, thing, that, the thing that makes me sad is the, the, the human heart, and I'm talking about my own human heart, Mm. The immediate, you know, the the immediate leaning towards 
wanting to be divided, mm. wanting to see us as us mm. versus them. Mm. Like I bemoan it, but then at the first instant pops up and it's something that I feel slightly yeah. passionate about, yeah. I immediately go into that type of mentality. Yeah. Mm. And it just breaks my heart. Provocative. And, oh. and, yeah. It's like, you know, it's like kids, you know, one child provoking another, you know, for fun. <laughs> yeah. Not that that ever happens in our household. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, the, the other thing that I've appreciated in, in the midst of uh, all of this, uh, you know, political whirlwinds and stuff is the fact that uh, we've been going through Proverbs and, uh, you know, getting mm. a lot of wisdom and thinking about how even in all of the wisdom about Proverbs talks about dealing with, it does, you know, talk mm. about dealing with government and kings and all that type yep. of stuff. But my goodness, it is so apt for everybody, for yeah. every every day, every yeah. every year, every era, every yeah. culture. It's yeah, amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just timeless. It's it's amazing. So we, we've, we've put a bow on the book of Proverbs and this is, uh, we're transitioning into a new edition of Thrive Deeper today. And as we do that, uh, starting a new little tradition, uh, I've got a few comments here from people uh, on our Facebook group and page. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and again, this is uh, just a moment for us to uh, have a a look at what people are saying. Uh, Rex JF says, hi, just a quick one to say, I'm loving the discussions you and Matt are having around the Book of Proverbs. Just that. Thank you. Thank you, Rex. Yeah. <laughs> then we've got Susanna well, says... No, and, and I mean, I mean, it's great actually to hear from people Yeah, uh, that, that it is being appreciated. So Th- thank you. Thank you. That. We yeah. really do. Susanna says, because uh, I, asked, I asked, does anybody have any final questions on Proverbs? Here's your chance to get them in there. And Susanna said, yeah, look, I've got lots, lots and lots of questions about Proverbs, but I don't know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> I've been loving the series and I'm relatively new to the whole book of Proverbs, so and and also new to the new to the uh, to the podcast, I'm trying to catch up. Maybe as I listen further, I'll have a succinct question for you guys. I'm real, realizing there's just often no simple black and white answer to many of our difficult mm. questions. Yep. But then there's wisdom, and I'm a seeker after wisdom. Oh. So, Amen. <laughs> so, Susanna, thank we you could so end much. There. Exactly. These are getting better and better. And a last one here we got Mark, Mr. Mark VG. Mark says, Hey guys, I've been loving this proverb series, especially on discipline, because I grew up in a Catholic family with very, which was very, very strict and actually no hugs. I had my fair share of the cane or the wooden spoon from the nuns at school or at, or even the belt at home. But you learnt your lesson now. But I've learnt my lesson. And now with my own kids, I have, I've occasionally had to give them a smack, but not like the negative stuff I grew up with. I'm, I'm sort of condensing yeah, yeah, Mark's yeah. big long thing. Um, and the most important thing is any time a, a discipline must be followed with a hug that they, uh, that they know that they're loved and, uh, you know, you've got to hug mm. them and love them as much uh, every chance you get. Love your ministry, guys. Thank you so much for the, you know, for the honest discussion. Yeah. So. Well, thank you for that because it was a pretty honest discussion. Actually, <laughs> <We> <laughs> I did. think there were moments there I f- that in which I forgot we were possibly being recorded. But there was actual microphones sitting good, yeah. sitting in front of our face. Uh, so yeah, and again, I just read them out to say, listen, we love to hear from you. We love to get your feedback, and it doesn't have to be a deep theological question. It can just be mm. you know just a comment yeah. and, yeah, and something right. about your own yeah. life. We love to hear that as well. Well, there we go. We have officially closed the bo- the the uh, you know the box there on the book of Proverbs. We're putting that back on the shelf for now, and then we pull out the book of Matthew, and also we're pulling out the book of Mark as well next yeah. to it. Yeah. And uh, these two these two gos- you know these two gospels out of the four gospels, and I thought 
because we've got people from all different backgrounds listening and, and everybody, um, you know, new to the faith, old to the faith, all over, maybe it's time to hear it again. I'm, and I'm for, for the sake of uh, argument, I'm going to play the uh, you know, the dum-dum because I do that so mm-hmm. well. Uh, okay, I hear as in church we talk about the gospel, mm-hmm. Matt, mm-hmm. and yet when I open up my Bible, I hear about the four gospels. Yeah, I'm confused. What's yeah. the difference? Why is there four and one yeah, and not? Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, I know that for a fact that you're actually not confused about that, but thank you for playing that part. Um, uh, so... Uh, a gospel is basically basically means good news, uh, and um, and in Greek it's uh, euangelion, which you know angelos is is to is is messenger. Yes. Uh, in fact, angel. That's where the word angel comes from, because an angel is a messenger. Uh, and euangelion, therefore, is the good message or the good news. Okay. You know, good tidings. Yep. So um, the, uh, the 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 Gospels come from that because they are the good news about Jesus Christ. Yes, uh, and, and we we in, actually from the earliest stages when they're even quoted from in the church fathers um, that they talk about the fourfold gospel, um, mm. and they're talking about so from the earliest times actually that it was understood that there were four authoritative accounts of Jesus' life. Now, when you say the earliest times, what are we talking? Are we talking well, 100 uh, AD? Are we talking 200 AD? No, we're, we're talking from the early 2nd century uh, uh, on, onward. Hmm. So, so in, in the, the 100s? Yeah, so like the writings of, of Justin Martyr and Irenaeus and these, these early church fathers that are, are active in the 2nd century um, – there, there are these. I'm going off memory, but it was one of the things when I, because I read through uh, at one stage a lot of this early literature, made some notes on the features, and one of the features I remember was their constant reference to the Gospels, mm. uh, and by that they meant the four Gospels, which for them was the four authoritative accounts of the life of Jesus: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm. And this is. This is important to recognise because there is this sort of conspiracy theory that ah oh, there were lots of other there were lots of other gospels and and that there was this sort of random choice in the fifth cent in sorry in the in the fourth century BC that I oh, will choose these ones because they say what we A- want AD, to say. AD, you mean? Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, the fourth century AD. AD. Where no, actually, from the very beginning, <laughs> it was understood that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were the four authoritative accounts mm. uh, of the life of Jesus. And um, uh, so there were other accounts around, mm. and and certainly um, there's evidence that I mean Luke says as much says that he he that many have undertaken to draw up an account, and so mm. and 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 there were many eyewitnesses when the at the time the Gospels were written, and they were all most of them were written by uh, the 60s AD. Mm. Uh, John was the last to write. I mean he was writing probably writing revelation around as late as 96 depending on when and and he writes his gospel as well Mm. uh as the latest uh gospel writer um they they drew on other you know they drew on other eyewitness records and eyewitness accounts um but these gospels were written at a time where people could easily have said hey no no that's not that's not how Mm. uh that's not how it went um and there's no reason, there's no good reason to doubt that certainly what we call the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, 
Uh, we call them synoptic because they seem to be drawing on similar sources mm -hmm. and there are lots of overlap between them. And even drawing on each other. Even drawing point, on yeah. each other, yeah. Uh, th there's, there's every reason to believe and no reason to doubt really that these are certainly written before 70 AD. Mm. Um, one, one, one of the main reasons why people say that they must have been written after is because in, in it's, we have the record there of Jesus predicting in quite a lot of detail the Jewish wars and the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. And people, you know, I mean, critical scholars say, well, you know, they, you can't tell the future, so it must be <laughs> afterwards. I mean, really, that, that, that's, that's an example of your method, methodology mm -hmm. determining your outcome. Yes. It's like you have this naturalistic <laughs> methodology. I've got a predetermined yeah, predetermine like idea. That's right. You start, if you, so, um, uh, so, um, yeah, so, we've so got we have this fourfold account, and, and we're going to focus on Matthew and Mark, okay. uh, of course. So, two of the Synoptic Gospels. Two of the Synoptic Gospels. So, that, that leaves, you know, the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then John as being the unusual one of the four. Yeah. If you said, as far, and I know that scholars go back and forth, a lot of people say that Mark was probably the first mm. one written out of the Gospels. Yep. <clears throat> it's the shortest one. It's a real, like, action-packed, yeah. you know, sort of yeah. adventure story there. Yeah. Uh, Mark was probably written first, Matthew next, Luke, and then much later John. Yeah. Why do we get them in a different order in our Bibles? We don't get them in that chronological order. Yeah, it's because um, uh, it's because that, the, that Matthew and Luke se seem to be borrowing from Mark. Yes. And you can kind of tell the way that it goes that that's the case. Yeah. Uh, and I won't go into the to the details, but in 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 actual fact, um, they also seem to be borrowing not only from Mark but from a common source or a common group of sources, um, uh, because they're they're clearly quoting from the same source, but it's not necessarily Mark. So yes. you know, yeah. So, so so there's there's clearly they're clearly working with sources, and I think from the start, as Luke indicates, there's a lot of oral memory, you know, there's a lot of memory coming through, but there's also the fact that people w did uh, write some things down. I mean, and we're collecting a group That's of right. Text, this is yeah. a, a Jewish society was a, was a highly literate because of the focus on the law and the, yeah. um, uh, it was a highly literate society. So there's, we, we have reason to believe that from the earliest times that things actually did get written down. Yeah. And is that, is, have I got it right from years and years ago looking at how – I remember reading up on all of this. They call that they have I got it right that they called these the earliest group of texts the the Q the Q. Yeah. The Q. I just love yeah. that as a name. Well, it's a Q document. Yeah, the Q document. Yeah. And and it's either one you know one document yeah. or or a group. a group of documents. I think yeah. they're leaning towards perhaps a group of documents. Yeah. Um, who knows? So then now the interesting thing is is that this is the interesting thing about the Gospels because they they are aware of each other. Yes. And yet, yet they don't. Yet they give their own perspective, mm -hmm. uh, and and they order things differently. Yes, and, and they're, they're ordering events. See, this is not they. They don't have really. Uh, they're not doing history. So they're recording facts. Yes. Everything that they're recording is factual, but they're ordering it in a way to bring out a theological message. Okay, so that to brings say something about that. Jesus. Brings me to my next question. Perfectly to my next yeah. question. Uh, what what type of literature? What genre are these books? Are they history documents? Are they biographies? Are they autobiographies? Are they what are they? Yeah, because they're not yeah. they're not. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They're very unique. Well, they are unique, and this is. I mean, there's been a lot of discussion about the the genre 
uh, of the Gospels, and I'm not completely up with that. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, but what I what I know is that they, they have various commentators have tried to align with different align the Gospels with different kinds of accounts of people's lives. So, um, you know, so you have you know the lives of Alexander the Great. And I mean, yes. they, they, you have some of these being written around at least close to this time. Uh, and this is, the Gospels are a lot different because... Um, they're not just yeah, historical they're not just, they're, they're not just telling a story. No. Um, and, and it's not even just propaganda. So so even, uh, the, you know, ancient accounts of, of the lives of, you know, Roman lives or, or th- there's a sense of propaganda. There's actually something different happening again. It's something much more deeply theological. Yes. Um, and this is why this idea that it's not just an account, it's not a biography, it's it's a gospel yeah. to get back to where you started. Exactly. It's, it's a good message. Yep. So what they want to do is highlight a message, not just give us the life and teaching of Jesus, I, but I, in the I, way I, that they do that to highlight something about who Jesus was. Yeah, I heard, I heard an evangelical group of scholars uh, you know, talk, debating about this, and one of them said, "You know, they're you know they're uh, theological. It's a theological biography. Yeah, it's a biography yeah, through a, good, a, a through a lens of this yep. is this is the theology that I need to present to you yeah. about the truth. And I'm like, that makes perfect sense. It really the penny dropped for me because you know sometimes, especially as an early Christian, you're like, hang on, one of these guys says that this happened at this time of day." The other guy says exactly the same story happened three hours later. Yeah. What's going on? And then you realize, hang on, there's a purpose to this. Plus, you know, the, the, you could have people standing on different corners of, 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 a, of an accident, yeah. looking at it from different angles, that, yes. and you're seeing it totally from a different side. And that's side. the kind of thing that happens. Yeah. And, and they're not, you know, people, I mean, I've heard the criticism, oh, the Gospels, they contradict each other. No, no, no. no. <laughs> they, 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 know, they know, they're aware of each yes, other, right? Yeah. So, and, and they are they're deliberately taking different perspectives. Mm. So I think this is important. And, and this kind of the, the idea of theological biography, I mean, someone might say, oh, you know, um, objective history is the best, you know, they, you know, like the idea of something being a theological biography yeah. uh, perhaps takes away from the objectivity. Well, I don't think it takes away from the objectivity because I don't think objectivity exists. I don't think it's possible. Uh, <laughs> well, we're going not, into a philosophy. There is class. <laughs> no such thing as 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 objectivity, and you know, it, we, all, all we can all we can go for is the right kind of subjectivity. Yeah, yeah, uh, and um, at least from a human author, there's no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. so so. You know, they have encountered Jesus as the Messiah. Yes, and <clears throat> you know that, that's that's either. You know, and they're starting from that place. Yes, and I'm great. Let's because they have encountered Jesus as the Messiah, yeah. so they're not inductively trying to no. find out that that's true. Because how do you? How would you do that? You can't. Yeah. You can't reason or think your way into truth. Or did you? You know, you. you, you truth. Truth has to take hold of us, yeah. Yeah. and truth took hold of them in the form of Jesus Christ. Yes. And so they are. They are. Um, reasoning from faith yeah. rather than reasoning to faith. Yeah. If you, if you oh, understand, I love it. I love it. We're, we're, we're now veering into yeah, yeah, anyway, Doctor Doctor Matthew Jacoby's philosophy podcast now. Uh, yeah, philosophy one hundred and one. So anyway, get <laughs> now, us back onto track. Yeah, let's get it back on the track. So we see that we see that we've got four, uh, you know, theological biographies 
that we're calling the Gospels, telling the story, the yeah. good news of Jesus Christ from four very different perspectives. Yeah. Now, we're going to concentrate. Let's leave Luke and John because, look, mm. we they're amazing. Cannot wait yeah, to get yeah. to, to them one day. But we're going for Matthew and Mark, and they're sort of flipped in our Bible mm. as far as the chronological order. But there's a reason why <clears throat> Matthew comes first. As, as if you're reading the whole of the Bible together, you've just come out of the Old Testament, mm. And then the first thing we get in the New Testament, we read it in our order, yeah. and the order that we've got is Matthew. Yeah. Why? And it begins with a genealogy. <laughs> and and that, that's the most exciting thing ever. <laughs> you know, uh, it, like, and, and the reason I say that is because this is, the story is continuing. Mm. I mean, the, the last book in the Hebrew order of the mm. Bible, it's in the Hebrew Bible, is the book of Chronicles, yeah. which is full of genealogies, and it's the, it's the story to after the exile. And then... You know, Matthew begins his gospel with the genealogy. It's because he wants to show that the story is continuing. Yeah. This is not a, a a new. This is not a completely. Well, it's it's a new covenant, but it's a, in in the sense that it's a absolutely a, absolutely a continuation yeah. of of what happened before, and and so he connects that. So that the genealogy at the start of Matthew's gospel is. Um, and it's a selective genealogy because he groups them into groups of 14. Oh, love it, love <laughs> uh, it. So again, you already got a signal here that there's a sort of theological uh, approach that he's going to take. Um, so he's saying something that this is this is continuous, uh, this is fulfilment. And one of the big um, themes in Matthew's gospel is the theme of fulfilment. Mm. Uh, really, that that's... You know that that is uh, one of the main things that Matthew wants to do is show how Jesus is the fulfillment, um, or the archetype. And this is important too: the archetype of Old Testament scriptures. And you've got to sometimes with some of the scriptures, you'll see scriptures are quoted from the Old Testament. You think, mm, "Gee, that uh, that original scripture wasn't talking about that." And a lot of Jewish think uh, people get get tripped over on yes. this because they think, well, that wasn't a messianic. No. Uh, but there, there are two things that, perhaps more, but there are at least two things that Matthew does in the way that he, what he wants to say about Jesus in relation to the Old Testament. It's both a fulfillment theme and an archetypal theme. Yeah. So Jesus is the is the archetype that fits this scripture or the fulfillment of this scripture. I, is, is that a little overly no, no, complicated? No. But if you, you know, if you go and look up the scriptures that are quoted, because in our Bibles you'll have a little letter and then mm. showing where the quote is from, you might wonder at times, gee, that, that doesn't seem... In a lot of cases, they are absolutely yes, exactly. messianic. Yeah, yes. uh, and, and, and the, um, you know, like uh, the, um, but you, Bethlehem of Ephratah, from you will come one who will be king over Israel. Okay. Clearly, yes. he quotes that. That because Jesus was born in Bethlehem, so there you go. That's a clear fulfilment of Micah. But I, but I love the fact that sometimes yeah. he'll, he'll quote something, and it's almost like he's misquoting. Like he might even change yeah. a little bit of the language yeah. from the original. And like you say, you're left scratching your head. But I reckon those two points about the quoting of the Old Testament yeah. and the reasons why I, I think we need to sort of hang that on the wall as we go through the book of book of. Sure. Matthew. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll because, talk about because that's going to keep yeah. coming back. We're yeah. going to keep coming I mean, back. If to I can just if we, we, because we are looking. At this one, uh, yeah. this in this first stage. I mean, the classic one is uh, the the quote from Isaiah, and and the the virgin or the young woman will give birth. You know, uh, and yes. the, the um, virgin shall be with child and yep. call him Emmanuel. Right yes. now, um, 
uh, in, in the context in Isaiah 7, it's, it's not a messianic prophecy no. in, in its context there. Mm. But the, you know, the, Matthew's use of that is not so much showing, it's not a matter of fulfillment, it's a matter of Jesus as the archetype uh, who, um, who sort of fulfills this kind of theme or yes. this idea yeah. of time. I mean, we could go further into that, yeah. um, but th- it's important to read the, the treatment or, or the use of uh, Old Testament quotations in that way. Yeah, I got you. I got you 100%. All right, <laughs> All right now, now this is good. This is good. One last question, and then we're going to take a break. The four Gospels are often presented as... You know, there's four basic themes of how they see Christ, seeing Christ in four different ways. Some people like to overlay that with um, some of the prophecies and the the angelic realm that we see in Old Testament books and stuff like that. But very loosely, we could say that, you know, uh, that... Matthew writes as far as seeing Jesus from a Jewish perspective. Yeah, that's in- right. Incredibly so. He's yeah. a Jew himself, uh, yeah. you know, and, and he's writing about Jesus being the fulfillment yeah. of, the, of the Jewish that's prophecies. Right. Mark, who writes, the, you know, the Gospel of Mark, um, is is writing a fast and gritty gospel. Mm. It is in and out. Yeah, yeah. A lot of early scholars say that the it was written so short and so, so uh, page-turner mm. So people could memorize it easier yeah. in the early church yeah. Yeah. and be able to recite different passages yeah. and stuff. He presents Jesus as very much a human being, as very much a man. Mm. Is, would would yeah, you agree yeah, with that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, uh, and um, yeah, there are those there are those slightly different uh, slightly different nuance. And and I mean Matthew, I love Matthew the Jewishness of Matthew because it flows really well into from the Old Testament, and then you get Mark and Luke, and and you and and you're moving out into the Gentile yes, world. Yes. It's, it's it's much more Jesus. Yeah. You know, Mark is kind of Jews and Gentiles yes. because, of course, Mark is uh, is associated with Barnabas and then eventually Paul. Yep. And so he's part of that um, that Gentile mission. And and then, of course, Luke is very much the, yeah, the we, Jesus for the for the Gentiles. Exactly, as much, and Luke, as, much as the Jews, as, you know. Yes, uh, but but very much. But he he is certainly leaning towards explaining. So he explains ideas and. Ju- because his uh, Jewish ideas, because his audience is much more Gentile. Yeah, and he's yeah. also the most historical of the documents. His his the Gospel of Luke is the biggest is the biggest gospel by far. Yeah, yeah. It's full of facts. It's yeah. you know uh, we call him Doctor Luke because there's so many like almost physical facts yeah. about well, historical in in method. Because they're yeah. all historical. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. But I, in, in method, he is yes. much more probably classic. Historical. That's perhaps. what I mean there. Although, yeah, there's still a there's still a strong theological. To oh, be pedantic, no, no, there's still a strong theological. One hundred percent. I'm saying yeah. of I'm saying yeah. of the four, and then finally we have the Gospel of John. Yeah, uh, which is you know. So you would say that Luke, uh, Luke is seeing Jesus as, um, you know, we say that you know he's seeing, you know, we've got over here we say we have the Jewish fulfillment of all the prophecy from yeah. Matthew, from Mark we see the man, yeah. you know, the man of action, mm. the Son of Man, mm. from Luke. You would say that the theme there would be. Um, I think Luke is is focusing on the Son of Man uh, as well. I mean, okay. I, Luke is the um, uh, is focused, I think, on the humanity of Jesus. As a, you know, John very much focuses on the divinity uh, of 100%, Jesus. Yes, and um, and Luke has a strong leaning towards showing you know, Jesus the friend of the poor and the broken and. Yep. Uh, but we'll, we'll look, we'll get to we'll, we'll get, get to, to that. Luke. And like and like you said, yeah. and John being John just cuts to the chase and is like, "No, this is God. 
We yeah. were introduced yeah. to yeah. Jesus as God. Yeah. So it's amazing, an amazing account of seeing this one, uh, you know, life, this one, this one. Yeah person from history, yeah. our saviour Jesus, from four very different, yeah. unique perspectives. And this is, I mean, an interesting thing to think about in relation to Matthew's gospel is that this is Matthew who is a disciple of Jesus and um, he he is the tax collector. He's Levi the tax collector. Mm. So uh, th- th- there's a strong theme of Jesus, the one who befriends sinners. Yes. And, and this, is, this is the thing that Matthew recognises is and Pat, we'll, we'll, I won't go into this now because we'll talk about this uh, after the break. But you know, he, he's putting a lot, lot of emphasis on the tension with the Jew, with the Pharisees and the leaders of the law, particularly around the fact that Jesus seems to be hanging out with sinners. And of course, Matthew uh, was one of those. And I think that's a beautiful perspective to come from as we look at the Gospel of Matthew. You're back on Thrive Deeper, episode 49, and we are bang into the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, we've just given you the introduction there, and hopefully, uh, you know, that's sort of set the context for you. But, uh, Matt, let's let's start into the into this book, into this, uh, you know, the Gospel of Matthew. Mm. As you've already said, it flows on from the Old Testament mm. with a genealogy, yep. but we get a genealogy about the, fa- well, this is the question, the man, Joseph, mm. the husband of Mary. Mm. That's the genealogy we get in Matthew. Yeah. We get a different genealogy later yeah. on. We won't get into any yeah, spoilers, yeah. but uh, is, is Joseph the, the, the father of Jesus or what's, what's well, the deal there? Um, I think it says so it was, uh, what is it? Uh, the husband yeah, of Mary. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, he's the husband. So in, in, the, in the important sense, he is because... Matthew's following the pattern of the way the genealogies worked, in, and, and it works through the male, yes. the son of, the son of, the son of. Okay, so uh, so he is the son of Joseph, who was a descendant of David. Now, uh, the most important thing about Jesus is he is the son of God, um, and the, uh, the the miraculous birth sort of underscores that. So there is both con- continuity with the past and a break with the past, mm-hmm. and those things need to ha- hang together. So there's continuity in the sense of fulfillment. So Joseph is his sort of legal father. Uh, but um, so what gets passed down is the promise. Um, what doesn't get passed down is the sinful nature. And, um, and so there is this clean break there of, the, this, uh, of Jesus being born of a virgin and this, the, the immaculate conception mm. um, conceived by the Holy Spirit. And this is already saying something. See, already this is the interesting thing about the famous birth narratives, um, which are fairly well known because we tell this story again and again over, over Christmas. There's mm-hmm, a lot of mm-hmm. aspects of these stories. What's interesting to note is the role of these stories in, in the, the sort of chapters one to three at the start mm-hmm. up until the baptism of Jesus. Because all of the features of 
all of the things that are going to be features of Jesus' life are preempted here mm. in the in these early in these early accounts. Um, so uh, he's so Matthew wants to show the fulfillment this fulfillment idea. He wants to clearly point to who Jesus is as the fulfillment of the scriptures and the Messiah. Uh, he is God with us, Emmanuel. Uh, his name will be Jesus because he he will save people from their sins. So you've got this. Um, You've got the prophet, priest, king motif, which yes. is the idea of Messiah. Mm. I should back go back a step. Yep. Messiah means anointed one. There were three people, in, and Matthew wants to show that Jesus is the Messiah. Okay, so there were three, um, three groups of people who were anointed ones in the Old Testament. Obviously, the king, uh, perhaps most prominently. Yes, but then you also had anointed prophets and anointed priests. And Jesus fulfills this triple role. His his messianic role is not one of those, but all of those together. Mm -hmm. So uh, you see, so in Matthew's gospel, you see Jesus as prophet, priest, and king. I mean, there's a lot of emphasis on on his prophetic ministry. Jesus is the prophet. Um, But certainly Jesus is the messianic king, the son of David. That's Mm -hmm. another big um, theme in Matthew. And, And then Jesus as the savior. Uh, mm. You are to call him Jesus, as the angel said to Joseph, yeah. because he will save people from their sins. Mm. Um, so, so that's already there uh, at the beginning. But you have, um, you have one of the, you know at Jesus' birth, uh, Matthew talks about the magi that come from a distant land. Now cuts, this cuts right to the chase as cuts well. Cuts to the chase. Like I, lo- I love the fact we get a genealogy, and then the next thing is we get introduced to this godly man named Joseph, who has this conundrum. Yeah. And has and has decided to do the right thing, yeah. and I'm just going to put her away quietly. It's okay. I've yeah. made my decision, and then and then an angel appears to him, and bang, we're straight into it. Yeah, that's right. We're straight into it. And I mean, it even says in chapter two, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the <laughs> what what yeah. what <laughs> uh, he, he was was he yeah uh, how, you know now Luke tells us more yes. about that so so that's fine. But remember, this is a theological biography. So mm. Matthew. Uh, hastens to point out that Jesus' birth drew that the moment that he was born, there were these heavenly signs that drew um, these people from the region of the east, from far away. And this yeah. is a fulf- this is a fulfillment motif yeah. because the, the, there is this strong idea, particularly in Isaiah, that the um, messianic age, a characteristic of the messianic age, is that people will come to Jerusalem from all. Uh, all over that if uh, that when God. when the Messiah, the true Messiah yeah. is here, the whole world will want to. That's right. Will be drawn to yeah. him. Yeah, and and this and this is what is happening here, and th- so that's this is another fulfillment motif. But then you get this conflict motif as yeah. well, yeah. Um, where uh, there is this, as you know, Jesus, the Messiah comes, uh, but there is this motif of the people's resistance and particularly um, particularly the leaders the rulers. from the king yeah, to the yeah. priest to the, because they this is their kind of kingdom this is their realm there's this kind of sense in which they're protecting their autonomy this is our we, we run the show here um, and this is a big motif and this can be troubling to some people because Matthew is in the light of you know the 20th century atrocities mm. against Jewish people uh, um, because um, Matthew perhaps is well. Let, let me let me say what he's doing, and then I'll say what he's not doing. Okay. Uh, Matthew wants his people, the Jewish people, to take responsibility for the fact that they really got it wrong wow. with respect to Jesus. Okay. 
Um, now, of course, that now he he wants to do that so that they will find grace and forgiveness with God. Okay? Yes, he's not saying that to condemn them. Yes, I, I mean, and, and yet that that fact has been well, that they you know, the Jews killed Jesus and that, yes. and and people have used that to justify a persecution of Jewish people and, yes. and terrible all sorts of terrible things yes. down through the millennia. That is that completely goes against the grain of why Matthew. Uh, wants to do what he does. Uh, not only does it go against the grain of Matthew, it goes against the whole grain of the entire Old Testament. Yeah, yeah, that's right, exactly. You know, like, yeah. and the, all the prophecies to be filled, and even what Jesus talks about very clearly of what is yet to come that we will read in the book of Matthew. Yeah. Any idea that you could take anything from yeah. this book and condemn the entire race of Jews, or say well, that the churches, you know, replace them yeah, in yeah. one sense, is is just ridiculous. Yeah, because it, it it actually goes against. Not only is it not true, as I've said, of what mm. the whole point is, particularly in Matthew, mm. but you're right, it goes against the whole... In fact, it goes against the nature of the covenant that God made mm. with Israel, which which was an everlasting covenant, mm. which means that... He, there, that he didn't. He did not ultimately. He's not. You know. He's not condemned them, um, and he's not finished with them. That the God still has a plan for for his people, and and Matthew is is Matthew is in his gospel is reaching for this because he's preaching the gospel, particularly to yeah. his Jewish brothers and exactly. sisters. You know. So, uh, but this begins with them recognizing. This conf- this conflict and the sense in which they are in conflict with God. Okay, so this this conflict motif yeah. comes out first of all with Herod, yes. who's the sort of pseudo Jewish king of the Jews, mm-hmm. um, and you know this is the amazing thing actually about Herod is that the Magi come to him. He, now, little asterisks here. Okay. okay, you're reading a book and it says the Magi. There's a little asterisk here. You go oh, to the bottom. Okay, sure, go to the yeah. bottom of the book there and it says Magi asterisks. See. Maybe question mark maybe the book of Daniel, yeah. Maybe see the ancient history of the, of of the Jewish influence and yeah. where do these where do these magi yeah. these people from the east get an idea that okay. there's going to be a Messiah born? Okay, good. So before I get into Herod, let me say uh, something uh, about that because uh, I want to get stuck into Herod a bit if we have time in this episode. So the magi, are, well. Look, we don't know exactly, exactly, okay, exactly. because we're not really told anything about them, but they're astrologers. Um, that they uh, they're coming uh, from the east, so they are probably Zoroastrian astrologers, uh, and they're you know probably coming from the region of Persia, and um, where um, you know astrology is practiced. And Zoroastrians were uh, they were quite remarkably in the ancient world another more or less monotheistic faith, mm-hmm. more or less. And th- there may well be some connection with Daniel because, of course, Daniel, if we take serious, I think particularly if we take seriously the impact, yes. if, if we say there is this historical person in the book of Daniel, it's not just some myth, it's that, and, and we take seriously the impact that Daniel actually had mm. in the Babylonian, then particularly the Persian Empire, mm. on this school of wise men mm. and the prophecies that he that he left. And you can even, every re- we have reason to believe yes. that there may well be a connection here between these magi. And don't forget, there was a large remnant of Jewish people that remained and and yeah. assimilated yeah. into the into the region yeah. over <laughs> over you know centuries there. So. There's some sort of background there, and we, it, I love the mystery of it straight away. Yeah. Is we have these, 
you know, this enigma and who have come to worship. They know that there's a Messiah yeah. born. God intervenes with Herod. And to cut to the chase, God intervenes with them as well and says, right, get out of here. Don't go yeah. back to Herod. Well, go. well, this is the interesting thing about Herod. And this, this, and Matthew, I think, wants to really underscore that he's wanting to kill Jesus, wanting mm. to find this baby and kill this baby. Mm. Was not, it wasn't uh, because he, oh, sorry, I didn't realize he was the Messiah. Mm. No, he actually, when, they, when the Magi come to him and say, oh, hey, Herod, there's a king that's meant to be born here. I mean, first of all, that's a massive threat to Herod. But he gets, his, he gets the scribes and teachers of the law and says, oh, tell me, where is the Christ, the Messiah, meant to be born? Mm. And that, in Bethlehem, right? <clears throat> and he, so he is actually, he tells his soldiers to go to Bethlehem and kill all the children under the age of two, mm. very consciously in an effort to wipe out any, like a, a, the, the potential Messiah. Mm. So there's no there's no uh, mistake here. Uh, yeah. d- he is actually doing this, mm. going right against God very consciously, even mm. against you know, they quote the scriptures to him, mm. and and he still does this. Now this sets up an important theme yes. in uh, in in Matthew's gospel because he, you know Matthew wants to show that that people rejected God in Christ in a very direct and and way mm. that they all they. It was proven to that, you know, it was shown to them that he was at the very least a prophet. Mm. Uh, and and yet they still, you know, they still did what they did. And Matthew wants his audience to take responsibility for that. Uh, not, again, not to condemn them, but so that his own brothers and sisters can be saved yeah. uh, and can... Uh, and can receive Jesus as Messiah. So this is a so, so you, you can see how and the, you know and then this the, the, this means that they that the um, Joseph and Mary and Jesus go into Egypt and yeah. you know and then they come out of Egypt and you know out of Egypt. This is where there's one of these quotes where yes. out of Egypt um, uh, I've called my son. Now this this quote um, uh, is. But basically, this is showing that Jesus fulfills the archetype of Old Testament Israel. He, he is, he is, as with Israel, there's this Exodus theme. He, he is, he is identifying with God's people. Yes. He's, he goes to Egypt mm. and then he comes out of Egypt and, and comes to the Promised yeah, Land. Uh, you know, it's, 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 yeah. Again, we, we in the first two chapters, we're getting theme upon theme upon theme. Yeah. very big ones. And and I love this in the Book of Matthew that Joseph is very much the star of the story. You know, because we sort of tend to, in this day and age, we sort of just run past Joseph. Yeah. But we see in, mm. in the first two chapters, God is revealing himself to Joseph, often in a dream, often angelically, often, you yeah. know, revealing directly to him, direct revelation from God himself to Joseph, yeah. saying, you know, and Joseph is obedient. It's almost like the contrast yeah. to the rulers and the yeah. kings and everything up here. Here's this Jewish yeah. just man going, yep, no, yes, sir, yeah. yep, right yeah, away, that's right. and just keeps doing, all right, I'm going to go to Egypt and pick yeah. up my family, go down there. Another dream. Herod's dead. You can come home, yeah. right? I'm going home. Yeah. Go here. And he just keeps on being obedient and yeah. obedient and obedient yeah. through it. Look, if it, if it was just a biography, we'd hear a lot more about Joseph, but we yeah. we don't really hear anything. No. But we don't even know what happens to Joseph. He's no. probably uh, quite a bit older than Mary, and at some point he passes away, it seems, because yes. 
Mary appears later on without Joseph. Yeah. Later in Jesus' life, which is which is quite common in the tradition of the mm. early, you know, of not the early church of the of the Jewish people around that yeah, time, yeah. you know, the betrothment, you know, could be. Yeah. And I've and I've and again, there's a lot of different theories. We'll never know until we get to yeah. heaven that uh, Joseph might have had. You know, a previous family. He might have yeah. Jesus might have had been a half brother yeah. to different children at a time. Yeah. No, there's all these you know different thoughts around that, and I love all the different thoughts and traditions that go through it. Yeah. To think about it, but uh, all right, well, let's leave it there for this first episode. As we get into Matthew, we've covered the first two chapters, uh, and we've got so much more to go. Mm. If you've got questions about um, you know the book of Matthew, of course, we always want to hear from you. But as people are getting into it, especially if they're heading into these early chapters, we're about to be introduced to Christ himself and his public ministry is just around mm. the corner. What you know? What thoughts do you want us to have in our heads, Matt, as we start getting into this? We're already thinking of different themes and topics and stuff like that. Is there anything in particular with these early chapters? Yeah, well, notice the patterns uh, that have been established in these early chapters. Notice... Um, this emphasis on who Jesus is, and that's going to be vindicated in everything that Jesus is going to do. But then notice also the opposition, and um, and I think I think it's good for us to recognise this sort of conflict. I think we can be conflicted actually within ourselves because when Jesus comes, he comes to make an absolute claim on our lives, and 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 I think we protect that. Mm. I think we resist we resist that. If we didn't resist that, we'd be we'd be without sin. The the um, the fact that as as says in one John uh, one John chapter one, you know we we can't say that we're we're without sin. And to that extent, we we do we resist. Uh, we find ourselves in this state of resistance. And and the the Christian life is about yielding ourselves over to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, and learning to trust him and learning to be more and more surrendered to him. Um, but I think we, we have to recognize those points of resistance and allow Christ by his Holy Spirit to break those things down. And so we, we see this theme there. We see this resistance. And I think we need to do more than just see it on the page. We need to recognize where we see that in our own lives. And we need to take that to Christ and say, Lord, I need you to break me out of my captivity. And that's a prayer that he will answer. So there you have it. Uh, You know, challenging words there from Matthew about, uh, you know, the claim of uh, of God on our life, and especially as we start reading through Christ and the patterns that we see here, that that you know our call is to uh, you know to be obedient and to agree with what God is 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 saying there, and we can see the bad examples there, of course, of Herod and the other rulers. It's amazing to see these patterns started early on, right from the beginning, with Herod, Joseph, the Magi, right there as we go through the book of Matthew. I'm excited. I, I'm. Uh, I can't wait to get deeper into this gospel, and I'm glad you are here with us for the journey. And as we said, if you've got any questions about anything to do with what we've spoken about today, or as you're reading through uh, the daily reading, please get a hold of us. We say this every week. We would love to hear from you. There's a few different ways to do it. You can do it over on the Facebook group and the Facebook page. If you search for Thrive Today 
or uh, you know Thrive Deeper, you'll find it there. Or you can go to our home on the website, thrivetoday.net.au. We've just had a bit of a refresh there, and it's even easier to get a hold of us, thrivetoday.net.au. Well, until next week, and we're going to be excited. I don't know we're going to have a birthday cake or something. Next week is episode 50 can't believe we got this far we'll see you then this has been dj and on behalf of matthew stew and the crew thank you so much for uh, being part of thrive deeper thank you so much for listening to thrive deeper we value all our listening community if you are on facebook search and like thrive today page to get all of our latest updates Our home on the internet is at thrivetoday.net.au. There you can subscribe to the Thrive Daily Reading Guide and contact us directly. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Until next time, thrive. Thrive.